Hey there, and welcome to the Two Mom Life Podcast, a show for moms like us balancing it all and ready to live an inspired and full life. Everybody, welcome. I'm your host, Jody Fried, mom of four, Jewish community professional, and mother's empowerment coach. Motherhood is a journey, and on this podcast, inspired by Jewish thought, you will learn from other moms, receive practical advice, and loads of inspiration. Motherhood is messy and certainly not perfect. So here is to mom life, to finding your way, to finding perfect moments. Here is to you. Hey everyone, welcome to the Two Mom Life podcast. It is a pleasure to be back here with you and of course with our special guest, Dr. Lila Samerstein. She is an audiologist here to talk to us about how to support our kids with hearing differences, hearing difficulties, and supporting their friends or making friends who are hard of hearing or deaf. So really excited for this. Lila, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm Lila. I am an audiologist and I host a podcast called All About Audiology, where we talk mostly about the experience of the family on the show, because I think that's really neglected. And I know you do that as well in your work. Because when a child in the family has something that is needing support, it really affects everyone in the family. It affects the siblings and the parent dynamics and even grandparents and cousins. Like it, it starts to have these effects for everybody involved. So I really love that approach that's looking at the whole family, even the whole community. That's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, this hits close to home because my sister, she's a speech language pathologist now but she is hard of hearing. She actually can't hear out of one of her ears. And it did affect us. I think we found out when she was five years old and it really did affect the family and the family dynamic and what we needed to do in order to, you know, make sure that she could interact and that we were setting her up for success. And so, you know, now it's beautiful to see how she, she's kind of taken this on as her mission to help others and she does that in her work as an SLP. So, so really kudos to you. Let's just start with like that experience of a child who is hard of hearing or deaf. You know, if we have listeners, moms out here listening to this podcast today who have a child who is hard of hearing or deaf, what is your biggest piece of advice to that mother? Okay. So I would start by saying that for many families, it comes as a complete shock it's not something like, unlike you, that you said you have an experience with this in the family. It's really a lot less common. And once you're in this world, you start to find the other very small percentage and you, you know, hopefully find community and connection online. And there's a lot that's happening in that. But for many people, their child is the first deaf person they've ever met and it's their kid. Or they discover that their child has hearing loss because it could be from ear infections. And then they say, well, we have to treat that. Or it could be something that's permanent and affecting them in a more long-term way. And so it's really the experience often is of being very overwhelmed and confused and being put on the spot to make decisions and quick. Mm -hmm. So I have found that when parents come to me or find the podcast, it's often because they're frantically trying to get resources, information, and connections. It's not something that's much more common, like maybe compared to other diagnoses that 
you know, we have experience with, we know someone in our class with, or someone in our neighborhood with. This is something that's a little bit more far removed and can be really isolating for the family. So talk to me about that. So what does it mean to, to be hard of hearing or deaf? Like what, what are the definitions that might be helpful as we you know, continue this conversation? So there's a really big spectrum and you know, the, the terms, also a word on terms, it's always a little bit touchy and controversial of which exact terms you use. And we always want to be respectful to how people would prefer to identify as. So even the term hearing loss is frowned upon in many mm-hmm. circles. It's more of the medical term or the, you know, the term you'll hear in audiology, but people will say it's not a loss. It's how they were born or the, the term diagnosed versus identified. If we, we say about a baby, they've been identified rather than diagnosed. And there's kind of always that overlap between there are children who do have levels of hearing loss in addition to other diagnoses. So it can be, it's, it really varies. There's not one answer so for one child, something that's super common, you know, 70% of kids before the age of two will have an ear infection, and that will likely lead to some level of them experiencing the world in a way that they have less access to soft sounds that they can still hear, but maybe they look like they're zoning out. They look like they're ignoring you. You call them three times and only on the fourth time, you know, honey. And then they hear you. It's like, why Mm -hmm. weren't you listening to me? But they didn't hear because they have this fluid gunking up their ear. So that's something that's a lot more common. And then again, the more um, permanent or hereditary often kinds of hearing loss, people who are hard of hearing might have more severe degrees of hearing loss so that they would not have access to louder sounds, even like sounds of anybody speaking they wouldn't have access to unless they're using certain devices hearing aids and cochlear implants. And that goes into a whole other world of education of explaining what these devices do and what they don't do. They don't make a person hmm. hearing their aids. Hmm. They, they make sounds louder and they do maybe give access to sounds, but that doesn't mean that someone with a hearing aid will be able to follow a conversation with five people at once. Probably absolutely not, actually. Absolutely. There is such a spectrum. And one of my goals with this podcast is is just creating an awareness of what's out there, what we all go through, what some of us go through, because every single mom, every single Jewish mom out there is dealing with something. Some of us are dealing with the same or very similar things. Some are different, but everyone is dealing with stuff. You know, I think it's just sometimes really healthy to acknowledge the different things, the different challenges that we might face, that our friends might be facing, that our friends' children might be facing. In that vein, I'm curious, as a mom, how can I or how can our listeners support their children in supporting kids who are hard of hearing? So take, for example, you go to a park and you see that there's a child there wearing a hearing aid. Often, I'm sure we can't see what's going on. But when a child is wearing a hearing aid, there's an assumption there. So the language that we can use as moms, what are the things, what are the ways that we can coach our kids to be really like inclusive and not afraid of, you know, other people when they're, you know, and I think this, this also might might go beyond just hearing and not hearing. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. I love that even in your question, you're giving the goal of being inclusive and being Mm. sensitive and connecting. That's always the end goal. So I think that 
everybody needs to Google one particular word. That is ableism. Ableism. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes. (laughs) Okay. If you have not heard this word, it's about time to get educated on it. Because I think that that is one of the ways into all these conversations is to look at your own biases and in what ways you are ableist, meaning that you have certain assumptions and discrimination against people with disabilities and what you think deaf child is capable of, what you think that it means for someone to be wearing a hearing aid. Just like, you know, even in your question, again, you said there are assumptions there and it starts with us as parents, as adults that, you know, I went 30 years without knowing that word. And I am an audiologist. <laughs> you know, I spent eight <laughs> years on a track um, serving this community and never really got that angle of, but actually there's a long history of discrimination here and people being denied the rights of community and sign language. And there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think that's overall the, the world, but also in particular, the Jewish community has made changes in the last couple of decades of awareness and inclusion, but you know, there's always more. We have to start it as, as parents and as like what, what happens among the moms in the playground when that child shows up and does everyone get like super anxious? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? And there's this like, how do you approach that mom? And I think as many things in parenting, what you model and what you do is speaks way louder than anything you could say or encourage your child to do. And if you say, hey, and are, you know, pleasant in the way you would tr- greet any other new person or, you know, kid in the class, then that's what's happening. You know, you're just including them automatically. And then there is a second level of opening the conversation, either with the mom or or, parent, whoever, or with the child in the class, depending on their age, of what are their preferences and their needs? Where do they need to sit? Or like I was thinking about your sister too, and I'm sure there was a lot of awareness about which side of the yes. table she's sitting on or when you walk with her, that's a really particular example to make sure she has access to the, the ear that hears better. So, you know, let's say if you're at a party, you could say, hey, should we have background music or actually should we not for sections of the party? Opening the conversation that you are willing to say, I don't know, but I want to hear from you. And as kids grow, that's that really um, develops their own self-advocacy. If they're able to say to their friend's parent what they need, that's a huge accomplishment in terms of their self-concept and their, you know, their ability to advocate for themselves, what they're they're comfortable with. Yeah, very, very um, interesting. So say there's a, a child in the class who you know everyone kind of knows is hard of hearing. And and correct me on my terminology. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. You could approach that mom, or depending on the age of the kid, of the child, it sounds like even approach the child themselves if they come over and ask them, you know, check in and say, you know, hey, is this music okay? Or is it distracting you? Or is there a particular spot at the table that you'd prefer to sit? Sometimes I feel like that can, it can feel to someone, to a child, especially that like you're singling them out. Do you have a, any advice on how to, how to deal with that and how to be sensitive around that? Or is the sensitivity yeah. just in asking? Okay. So I'm a big fan of doing things ahead of time mm-hmm. and preparing, being intentional about what's going to be happening ahead of time to make it accessible for everyone who's coming. You know, if you're going to be watching a movie, think about, should we have subtitles? Maybe think about that question ahead of time. So it isn't, oh, we have to watch the movie. How do we turn these on? And it's a 15 minute event delay of how to turn it on, have it ready. Another thing is that 
why are we afraid of of bringing it up? You know, sometimes we're saying we don't want to single them out, but actually that might be, it might be a different experience and a special experience for them to be like, wow, you actually thought about my needs. Maybe it doesn't have to happen in front of everyone, but even saying, oh, they'll be singled out shows that there's some shame incorporated around the whole experience, which there really shouldn't be. We, we yeah. hope in an ideal <laughs> engagement. <laughs> and I, I think it does change when it's in the family, you know, when it's in a, when it's a cousin or someone you see kind of on a regular basis, you start to get a sense of what they're going to need at certain events um, rather than a one-off with a new person. And I think one other thing to mention is that there's something that I teach the, to parents who have, who have a deaf or hard of hearing child is that they can take the initiative to go into the classroom and do a hearing party. This is something that sometimes they do with like, you know, cupcakes that have hearing aids on them and the child will give an, an explanation, an announcement. This is kind of like, you know, third to fifth grade type age. Okay. Right. So like maybe they could work out a project that is them explaining this to the class. I remember as a kid that we had a, uh, a friend in the class who did a presentation about her nebulizer. I remember mm. that so clearly that she was not ashamed. She was like, <laughs> I had never heard of this. I'd never heard of asthma. I'd never heard about nebulizer. I'd never seen this device. To me, that was a really kind of important event in my childhood because I understood her, her better. And she talked about having trouble sleeping, which was a concept as a kid that I'd never heard of. I'm well acquainted <laughs> with that topic as an adult. <laughs> so that's kind of the advice from the, the parent side, how you can encourage that. But maybe from the teachers, educators, even in shul, what are the things you can already start to incorporate? Um, and when there are deaf children who are also using sign language, you, you know, you really want to make that there's interpreters available, that there, that these are things that you might not even realize that your space is not at all accessible or inclusive in those, in those aspects. And we're always learning new things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like there's no shame around any of this. If you don't, if you don't know, if you don't know what ableism is, or if you don't, you know, haven't heard of some of these concepts, like it's okay because we're all learning and we're, we're all growing. Yeah. And you're listening to a podcast to learn, to do more, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I love that idea of a hearing party or whatever it is, like for an asthmatic child or whatever kind of sets your child apart. I remember I wear um, I wear orthotics and I had one of my legs is like a drop shorter than my other one. And it was always something, it was a big piece of my identity, but nobody else really knew about it, you know, but how cool would it have been to really be proud of that? Yeah. And I remember also the comments. It's, it's unbelievable. You've unlocked this memory from like fifth grade in my mind. (laughs) There was a girl who raised her hand and she was like, I have scoliosis. And this other kid, you know, all of a sudden everybody was kind of self-disclosing their um, various conditions that they didn't realize they were hiding or, 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 you know, that there wasn't really a conversation around. So if we can create that kind of openness, even children who have, who speak differently. I remember my, my four-year-old came home one day and was like, I have a child in my class that speaks like this. And then she imitated the various ways that this child was speaking, but I know how to say my R's. And then like, she wasn't saying it, you know, I know, and she doesn't. It's like, that's so interesting. Yes, this is a daughter of an audiologist, very aware. <laughs> I'm so matter of fact. Yeah, and that's what it gets to be. And that's that's kind of the beauty. And that's one of the things about, you know, little kids and just the things that 
that they come home saying, but it doesn't have to be that it's, it's just the little kids. It like, it gets to be that as we get older, we get to understand each other and celebrate each other and learn how to understand what's best for one another. And just since, since you brought up, you know, in, in your show or for educators, what are your, you know, maybe three top pointers to them that I'm sure every educator has training and how to balance and how to make everyone feel included. But if you were to reiterate one or two things, what would they be? Okay. So especially for early childhood or young children, just make the assumption that you must raise your voice, speak clearly, speak enunciated, not yelling, right? But um, you can't speak the same way you and I are speaking to young children. You need to make things very clear, get everyone's attention before you begin. And those are not just, you know, for attention things, but specifically for children who are hard of hearing, they really need that extra kind of cueing to now we are engaging in a conversation or in circle time. And that educators really need to also check their biases in this, that if a child isn't paying attention or isn't behaving, there's probably six reasons before they meant to be awful or a disruption or, you know, labeling them in any way that's, that's negative. They, they didn't hear you. They didn't pay attention to it. They were engaged in something else. So they're developing. They're so, so young. that just like, you know, up to age five, six, seven, even that's such a critical period for every area of development, but also for auditory development and having visual aids, pictures, posters, puppets, whatever else you're doing. So the kids are doubly cued to what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big one. And then in classrooms, classrooms are one of the worst acoustic environments. There's mm-hmm. usually an echo. There's usually chairs that are scraping. There's so many kids. There's noise from outside, from the hallway, from the window. It's awful. So if you have administrators, please, please <laughs> support this initiative because parent uh, teachers should not be paying for it. But I hope that, you know, we can make classrooms have carpet, an area with curtains or, you know, poofs, putting something under the chairs, anything that really can take off some of the hard surfaces that are making reverberation and a really bad acoustic environment. So, you know, even thinking about your home are the the areas that you're in with your kids, you know, usually have carpets and pillows and curtains and things, but really, you know, you want to make sure that that's happening in the classroom too. In general, being aware that this is you know, get a hearing test once a year, just like you get a a dentist checkup. That's not like a universal recommendation for all children, but if there's anything, anything with their speech, anything with their attention, anything that you're concerned about socially, like one of the top things on that differential that you're going to go and look into is definitely a hearing test. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're, if they're going to go through an autism process evaluation, any other thing that's going on, probably the people who you go to will say, have you had a hearing test in the last six months? So just do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's great advice. And where would a a parent turn for that if they were wanting to get their child a hearing test? Would they go to their pediatrician's office or would they, you know, be referred kind of automatically to an audiologist? Okay, so generally the pediatrician will refer to an audiologist. Some states you can go directly to your audiologist, depending on your insurance, (laughs) the audiologist. And you want to make sure to go to someone that that tests children, pediatric audiology center, hospitals are usually equipped, but also many private practices because they'll have toys and they'll have prizes and they know how to deal with kids to get the results. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Is it ever too late to test your child? <laughs> Absolutely test your not. <laughs> it's never too late. Okay. When yeah. we think it is too late, you know, we've had several people on the podcast share their stories with my child was four, my child was 10, my child was 12 when we, when we identified what was causing it. And then it's like, wow, all this time we could have known, well, you couldn't have because you didn't. That's not how it went. Um, you know, if, if that's something that you're dealing with, dealing with that guilt for yourself is fair. You know, it's valid that you feel that way. The missed opportunities. And we have some grief around that, grief around mm-hmm. what, what could have been. And that's another thing we process and go through just like all the other difficult things we deal with in life. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because there is, there's that with anything that we feel like we miss as parents, there is that, that guilt, that regret, the shame. That's a critical piece. So thank you for, for raising that. And ladies, if you are curious or if you think that, well, maybe there might be something with my child's hearing, like, A, go to, go listen to (laughs) Leela's podcast, but also, you know, do that first step, just muster up the courage to take that first step and go get the test or talk to an audiologist or speak to someone who you trust, who can give you the right guidance. Yes. I'm more than happy to take messages on Instagram, Facebook all over. (laughs) Amazing. Which brings me to thank you so much for joining us. How can everyone get in touch with you and find out more about what you do? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I am at allaboutaudiology.com, all about audiology on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm playing with TikTok these days. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new thing. But really, if you need support, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. I run a retreat that's free for parents of deaf and hard of hearing kids. And it's really focused on the connection, the advocacy, the parents' journey. I think that's so important. And yeah, members, support group, all sorts of things. Thank you for having me. Great. Amazing. And people can find out about all of those on your website and we'll put the links in in case you're interested. Lila, again, thank you so much. All of you listening, thanks for tuning in. I know that your time is valuable and I don't take that lightly. So until next time, bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Two Mom Life podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about me and my work helping moms feel filled up and in balance, or helping moms integrate family adventures, big and small, into mom life, or to explore how we can work together, visit my website, loveadventuremom.com, or find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handle loveadventuremom. Till next time, l'chaim to life.